Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Landry Football Podcast for this Thursday, March 18th. So happy to be with you uh, as uh, we love talking football with you. We, as we always do, invite you to join us in the chat room uh, live on Twitter. Um, And certainly you can do that as we do this show live each and every day. We also want to welcome you to the Landry Football Podcast brought to you by Radio Influence as you can consume this podcast um, as a podcast form. So you can certainly watch us live as we do it on twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. Certainly listen to the podcast. You can find it on LandryFootball.com, and it'll tell you where you can sign up for it uh, so that you can get it. Make sure you don't miss it um, each and every week. Uh, Much to get to today. I always say that. We always have a lot, but a couple of things I'm going to focus on. We're going to focus on um, a little bit the early stage of free agency. I want to give a little bit of a, um, a tribute to Drew Brees, but in a different way. I want to give credit to the guy that most um, I think believed in Drew Brees more than anybody that I knew in the coaching profession. I'm going to tell you a story um, going back quite a bit on not how Drew Brees was discovered. That's that's how people think scouts discover guys. Well, you don't really discover them. We know who these players are. It's about evaluating who do you think are the best fit. So I think you're going to enjoy that. As the guy that told me, um, well, I'll save it. I, I don't want to spoil it at this point, but uh, it's, it's really fun, and um, I think it'll take you inside to a scouting trip that uh, proved, well, fruitful for Drew Brees and his future career. Uh, we are in the early stages of free agency. want to remind you that you can get everything up to date, all things that are NFL free agency over at LandryFootball.com. You want to know what's going on um, up to the minute. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at LandryFootball. You can go to LandryFootball.com where you can get the more detailed information. So, you know, uh, news that happened during the night. Um, you want to know what happened, why they signed this guy. Um, what are the details of the deal? We've got it for you. And there is quite a bit of information uh, later in the week. You want to know what's forthcoming. You know, Riley Reef, the offensive tackle, is visiting with the Bengals today. Um, 
you, you want to know the details of that. You want to know where Kenny Galladay has gone and visiting and what the Bengals offered him and why he may end up leading, being leaning towards the Giants. We're, we're going to get got that information for you. The Raiders continue to trade a lot of what they consider their mistakes on the offensive line that they drafted before. In essence, the notebook has everything in detail for you that we certainly cannot get into the minute details. Look, it's a lot of information of players that you're familiar with. It's a lot of information of players that you should be familiar with and you should know about. It's not where that's the news part of free agency. The real part that you want to hone in on or what we provide for you at Landry Football is the free agent uh, boards and the position-by-position NFL grades that are integral in terms of how you determine roster value for players as well as um, where a player graded this past year and and what are you getting. For example, I say this all along, and I've I've mentioned this a few times. You know, Kenny Galladay probably – by the end of the day, we'll have agreed to a deal with the New York Giants. We'll see. How does he grade? Good player. Graded out high-grade purple. He is the best. Um, I'm trying to check off my list here. Who is the best remaining players that are still out there? Highest grade? Yeah, I, I would probably put Kenny Galladay number one, not just at receiver, but overall. You've got Anthony Harrison, Melvin Ingram, and Juju Smith-Schuster, Alexander Willovaneva, um, Will Fuller. Jadavian Clowney, Xavier Rhodes, uh, those are some of the guys. But just to give you an idea, there were 24 players this past year in the NFL at receiver that graded higher than Kenny Galladay. Does not mean Kenny Galladay is not an outstanding talent. Oh, he absolutely is. And a high-grade purple is a very good grade, but blues and reds are graded higher. Now, why do I mention that? So it gives you an idea where his value is and why, well, why hasn't he signed? Why has a couple of other receivers signed before him? Because Kenny Galladay being the best receiver considered on the market, his value is going to go up, right? Meaning his value is such that supply and demand is in his favor. Therefore, he's going to get money that's going to be commensurate with probably a high-grade red, if not a low-grade blue. It's important to understand. Um, It doesn't mean the team that signs them is signing them to a bad contract. It just means it gives you a better understanding of where the player's value is overall in the league. And understanding that, I think, is really an important part of the free agent process. So we've got, obviously, all those grades. We've got every team's needs going into free agency, some of their targets. And uh, so we've got it all for you. Uh, been working on the draft boards and the scouting reports that we're going to focus on heavy as we put this week to bed. We're not going to finish with free agency. That information is going to live there for you. And you're going to see the notebooks every day reflective of any news on free agency. But as we also have in our notebooks every day, some of it in the pro notebook and a lot of it in the college football notebook, we'll have pro day information. I have got a direct link to all of these workouts are being, um, it's a by satellite or I don't know if it's satellite. It's, it's by, um, 
it's it's a it's a streaming, not TV version, but we get to get a lot of it. So I'm, I'm able to, you know, it's interesting. It's not the same as being there, but I will tell you something that's interesting. Yesterday, I you know, I was at Georgia Pro Day, Illinois, um, Pittsburgh. What else? There was one other. I mean, it's you get to see multiple ones, um, and you get to see certain guys, which is important. Um, to at least see certain things in the workout. Uh, there's some things that you would get in person, but in my role as a consultant, just getting some of the details and the information, uh, the meeting with the players, you know, it's it's not something that um, I'm quite as involved in this year other than the Zoom calls. Um, so you're getting a lot of that information in our notebooks that are reflective of that type of information. Um I want to uh, mention that we'll have all the pro day and draft information, draft nuggets in our college notebook um, every day. So you've got that along with recruiting information in the college notebook, as well as spring practices, which are going on around. But it's going to be largely at Landry football, the home for the NFL draft, Uh, getting what real draft boards look like scouting nuggets that are going to be, I've gone different ways about how to present it to you. I'm always trying to make it fan friendly. Sometimes I'm told it's a little bit too detailed, a little bit too much information. Um, That's not what we need. We need as much information in our scouting world, but from a world of fandom, maybe more summary information. We, we do different things and we will certainly be your source for understanding what a true draft board looks like. If you see a list of the top 50 players in the draft, top 100, throw it away. Pay no attention to it because that's not relevant. That's not how it works. Where is the grade cutoff? What does the grades mean? And remember, there is no such thing as a top 50 player in the draft for all 32 teams. The list will look completely different, 32 different looking draft boards. I'll explain that. And I'll explain when I put grades and tiers understand that okay this is how many seven o's this is how many six nines this is how many six five this is what they mean and this is why okay i might stack them let's say there are 12 guys with six five grades well of those 12 this is how i might stack them but the grades are indicative that any one of the 12 are good picks if the other grades are off the board, above them or above the board, off the board. And the order of which you would put them depends upon the style and scheme that you run. If you're a zone-blocking team, certain offensive linemen are going to be better fits than others. If you're uh, a, a big zone team, play a lot of cover two, cover three, the corners are going to be different than a team that plays in man. Um, how you like your linebackers are a little bit different from one scheme to the other. Um, most teams play a one-gap front, but the two-gap teams, completely different of what they're looking for on defensive linemen. Uh, the type of backs are you looking for? Do you want a feature back that, that's that's got ability to catch the ball out of the backfield but is more of a power back with speed and explosion? Well, you're going to like Najee Harris better than you're going to like Travis Etienne. If you predominantly like to get out and just mainly focus on the ability to make plays in space and make plays in the passing game, well, then you would probably favor an Etienne. Or 
a couple of the North Carolina backs that are really good. Look, they've got different types of guys. It's understanding the player's skill set and understanding what you're looking for. I use the goofy analogy all the time. You go to the car lot, it does not matter if the best deal there is for a pickup. If you want a sedan, if you want a minivan, if you want an SUV, I mean, if you don't want a a pickup, what good does it do? I mean, it's great. It's good value. It's well-made. It's all that, but it doesn't fit what you want. The draft is about getting the best players, but there is a misnomer that the best players are clearly sequential. And this is the byproduct of a lot of stuff that's on the internet, a lot of stuff that you hear on TV and on radio about. This is the best receiver. This is the best. No, it's not. This guy's not necessarily the best. Oh, there's some that are clearly better, but it is not universal. Who's the best receiver in this draft? They got three guys that when I put out my board, you're going to see going to have similar grades. Well, what do you want? They're all three different. What do you want? Understand that, folks. It's critically important. It's what real scouting, real evaluating is all about and how you develop them. Those things are critical. Those things are the key. Um, you know, it's really important to understand that not just need value. Need is not how you grade a draft board. You you put a draft board together regardless of need. And then if you choose to take a need spot, at least you do it knowingly as opposed to trying to, what do they call it? Uh, I'm not a, I'm not one of these uh, supernatural. Is it star Wars? What is the, um, what is I heard the term a couple of scouts, Jedi mind trick, which I guess means you play tricks on your mind to make you believe something that's not really true. You artificially move a guy up the board because, boy, we really need him. And he's this guy's better than what we've got. And this, well, that doesn't make the player better. You want to take him, take him. But take him knowing that he's graded correctly on the board. And if he belongs here, he belongs here. If he belongs here, he belongs. Don't let need become an evaluator. It never works. Just go ahead and say, look, this is how the players are, regardless of position. This is where value is. And if you set your board up correctly, you let your draft board speak to you. And that's where you can make better decisions. And if you decide, look, hey, um, I think it's real close, and we're going to go for the neat, then do it. But do it knowing that the guy is what he is. Uh, I can remember, <clears throat> and I just I don't know why this comes out, and it's nothing against him. I can remember talking with the Bills. <sighs> I'm getting old now. The, the exact draft, um, early 2000s. They they were in a dire need for defensive lineman, defensive tackle, and I remember them having the conversation of. of uh, about John McCargle out of North Carolina State, a good player, but to me, no better than third round value, a chance to make. Now, you don't just say this guy's a third round or first rounder. You, you, the grades go into um, 
the superstar outstanding category, immediate starter candidates, um, guys that are, um, you know, uh, a chance to make and contribute checking on updates on free agency. So we speak, um, and, uh, you know, put then the potential chance to make. So I graded him five, nine. I can remember it. it has a chance to make and contribute, be a good player. That was a need. They took him in the first round strictly on need. Well, it was a mistake. They let better players on the board, not at that position at other positions. Now you end up and you have an issue with you got multiple needs and your team's not that much better and you're drafted for need, but you got a guy that you plug in a position. It's not, it's not how you do it. Anyway, I don't want to get off. I've got, I see some of your questions. I'm going to get to them in a second, but important to understand that setting up your draft board correctly and then letting your draft board dictate to you is the real key in free agency. The philosophy you've heard me enough. If you haven't, I'll repeat it. The goal in free agency is to fill needs, to have a budget of what a player's value is, go out, fill a need so that you can get best player in the available in the draft. Most times when you make a mistake in the draft, it's very often due to the fact that you want a guy to be something and you, you tend to see things with your heart and not your eyes. Um, it's, it's it's a mistake that's commonly made, and and I over years have tried to avoid it, um, and not not succumb to it, and not allow my coaches to succumb to it, fellow coaches and coaches that work for us to come to it. Um, it's really important. So <clears throat> the early stages of free agency, I get this a lot. Who's winning free agency, Chris? There's nobody winning free agency. You don't get points. It's not like. They say, well, they signed the most guys. Therefore, we're going to grant them three extra wins to start the season. So instead of starting 0-0, they're starting 3-0. It doesn't work that way. Of course, being sarcastic. I think, to me, um, look, it's you, you don't keep your job or lose your job by spending too much cap room, by spending too much money. You win or lose your job by winning or losing on the field. That's what it comes down to. What's important is to build a roster correctly and make sure that you allocate funds correctly to the right players and make sure that your your particular position rooms are not out of sorts to where you've got a good slot receiver making more money than your perennial all-pro outside receiver. That's the real coverage dictator. That's that's a problem. Um, you know, you may need a guard. You overpay for a guard, and now he makes more money than the really good offensive tackle that's solid. You've just now messed that up, and you are going to have to pay that guy more just by comparison. Just got to be smart. But free agency affects the draft. What you do in free agency allows you to do a better job of taking best player available in the draft. Your inability to draft well causes you in future years to dip back into free agency. Think about it. You miss on draft picks. You got to dip into free agency. Who's been the most active in free agency? The Patriots. 
the first well we league year started on monday we all know uh, league year started on wednesday at 4 p.m eastern it started on monday from a negotiation standpoint why is that well they fell off the map a little bit they feel like they can bring back a team that's better than what they had last year and Look at the tight ends and the receivers that they drafted, like Nikhil Harry, that haven't worked out. So they're going to go and get, if you don't do a good job in the draft, then you end up having to spend more in free agency. And this is an organization and a guy that's done very good in the draft historically, but you, even everybody goes through cycles. So I, I do think it affects what you do. Every fan will get excited about new names, new spending, I want this shiny, uh, bright and new. All of that is something that that denotes success in fans and media's eyes. Don't get. I think the Bucks have done a phenomenal job of keeping that team together. Um, whether they bring in James White or a couple of other, I, I, you know, we'll see what they're able to do there. But keeping the team together makes sense for them. Um, if you're a team a fan of a team that is really bad, go spend money. Again, you go and spend crazy money for a player that's a good player, then you've really not improved yourself. And you can't hide from the draft very long. You have to draft well, and you have to build your team correctly. So I think that's important to understand that when you evaluate free agency, you look historically. The teams that get the best grades for free agency grades, which why I don't do them, are the teams that historically end up being the worst come the fall. It is about getting guys to come in in free agency that can have immediate impact, that fit your scheme perfectly. One of the, the biggest problem in signing free agents and not panning out is you sign a guy for production. He was great here. If you're not going to use them the way they use them, you've made a colossal mistake. And I'll tell guys, you're stupid. You can't sign Nande Asamoa if you're the Philadelphia Eagles as a press guy and you're going to ask them to play off coverage. You've now taken a Pro Bowl player in one particular scheme and technique, and you're going to ask him to do something else. You're going to change him, and you wonder why he doesn't work out. Hello, it's just ridiculous, and it happens a lot. So understanding that a player, not his reputation, not his name. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I get this last night. Patrick Peterson signed with the Minnesota Vikings, a one-year deal, $10 million, and people say, I can't believe they got him for that. Have you seen Patrick, Patrick Peterson play? Somebody hit me with, yeah, he's still one of the top 10 corners in the league. There were 140 players that graded out better at corner in the NFL this past year. Okay? Doesn't mean he's the 140th best corner in the league. What it means is that the Patrick Peterson that was one, two, three, four, five in the league for a while is not playing to that level. Why? Injuries, circumstances. So that's why he gets a one-year prove-it-to-me deal and not the deal that's simply, oh, man, they got a steal. Didn't get a steal. <laughs> hey, you know, if you if 
Patrick Peterson was the top 10 corner in the league that he used to be, he wouldn't have left the building. That's the point. Understanding you're not signing names. Redskins, old days. I know they're not the Redskins now. Bruce Smith, Hainsworth, all, you know, all those guys that had names. They were past their prime. And you were paying for what they used to be and not what they are. And it was not only wasted money. I mean, who cares if you waste money if you're a fan? You're just signing players that were not any good. And, you know, it is to me and what we try to do differently is explain who truly are the good players that are grading out well. It, it, predicting the future is difficult. That's what scouting is. But the key is knowing who is an up-and-coming player? Who's developing? Who's part of that process? That's what you get at LandryFootball.com. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring about, you will hear this. Um, so-and-so signed with so-and-so. And it's a three-year deal. It's worth $65 million with $33 million guaranteed. What does that tell you? The reporting tells you. Tells you that it's a three-year deal. It's worth $65 million, $33 million guaranteed. What does $33 million guaranteed tell you? Well, it's guaranteed, except it's not. Let me explain the only thing guaranteed in a player's paragraph five contract. That's paragraph five is where the compensation part goes in. The only thing guaranteed is a signing bonus. You write the check for $5 million signing bonus, that's guaranteed. Now, look, there, you can go after a player's signing bonus if certain things happen down the road on a player. If he quits on a team, he leaves. There, there are things you can legally do. I'm not talking about that. <clears throat> you give a player $5 million, sign $5 million is guaranteed. He keeps that. That's guaranteed. The first year of the deal is not guaranteed. However, if I sign a guy, something extraordinary has to happen for him to not be on the team, right? Opening day. It can happen, and if it does, then the only guaranteed guy is a signing bonus. He doesn't get the salary for this year. He doesn't get any, he doesn't get roster bonuses. He doesn't get incentive. He doesn't get any of that. But for the most part, you can take signing bonus and you can take the first year's deal and add that. That's pretty much a guarantee. One's a definite guarantee once it's handed over. Two, one's a probable guarantee. The rest of it's phony money. Well, how can they say it's $33 million guaranteed if the, the salary for this year is 10 and I get five? What's the guarantee? Okay, he plays this year. He's on the, the roster this year. $10 million salary. $5 million signing. What's the get? $15 million. It's not $33 million guaranteed. It's not $65 million contract. It's $15 million for this year. The overall number is often done to spread over the life of the contract to make the cap number a little less. But what it does with the guarantee, and this is where the, the numbers get phony, is, oh, it's guaranteed. So many makes the roster next year. <laughs> it's not a guarantee. Is it a guarantee that it's going to make the roster? I mean, 
there's some players you know that are probably going to make the roster. Probably is not a guarantee. <clears throat> More than likely is not, not a guarantee. So be wary of that. I can't believe they gave him $105 million. They didn't give him $105 million. Ends up being only $22 million. Well, how could they do that? Well, I'll tell you why. The shifters and the guys that report all this stuff, they're getting it from the agents. So the agents give them the information, and the information is not wrong. It's just misleading. Yeah, it is $33 million guarantee, provided he's on the roster next year, he gets his signing bonus. Yeah, that, that will be guaranteed, assuming those things happen. You don't assume, and so it's not a guarantee. And the likelihood that you're going to make a move on a player you give huge money to in year two is, is less, but it's still possible. I mean, we, we've seen teams, I mean, sign a guy to huge money and take a huge cap hit, don't you, to trade them or release them. We see it all the time. So it happens. Don't be fooled by the money. Don't think that um, it is what it is and it is what it says. Understand what guarantee truly means. And, okay, so you don't know. Look, these contracts can't be sent in until – well, as of 4 p.m. Eastern yesterday, it'll take about a week to 10 days for the contracts to be processed. And when they come through a computer on the league system, then you can look at the paragraph five and then find out the details. No one wants that. People want information immediately. Where's Shaq Paragon? He's gone back to the, to the Bucks. Where's Matt Judon gone? He's going to the Patriots. What about Hunter Henry? He's going to the Patriots. What is the deal? You give the money. People forget about it. No one ever checks it. Really, you don't have access. The public does, doesn't, and the media doesn't to the, the contracts, official contracts in the league. So, you know, no one wants to wait 10 to 15 days to learn this or that or know this. They're not interested. I get that. It's more about get the information out first. Eh, if the numbers are, you know, it's not $33 million guaranteed. It's only 15 <laughs> It's not a $105 million deal. It's a $21 million deal for now. Nah, whatever. You know, it, people know there's a salary cap. People know that, well, we got a lot of room. We have no room. We can't do this. We can't do it. They understand generics, but specifics are important. They depend a lot. You know, keep in mind that you, well, we're under the cap. We're good. No, no, no. You better have $10 million to work the draft and sign all your draft pick. They count two under the cap. Yeah, there's a rookie pool, but the rookie pool is under the salary cap. You need to be in it, and we're, we're down in it. So, uh, again, understand that. Don't want to preach, and um, but I think that's important. The early days of free agency, as we've seen, we've seen the big deals come about, or at least the big target guys come off the board because we – there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of priority put on those players. And so you see that what you're going to see, you're going to see some more trickling of deals, but it's going to lessen now. I mean, it's having the start of the league year on Wednesday is anticlimactic to Monday and Tuesday is when the news comes out. So all these deals that are agreed to, they, they can't be officially put into the league, as I mentioned, to, to Wednesday. 
Um, we're not going to see as many of the big deals from here on out. I think that the market's going to have to settle uh, a little bit. Like, you know, all right, Kenny Galladay, really good player. Maybe best receiver on the market right now. Um, as I said, looks like he may sign with the Giants. The Bengals offered him a one-year deal. Probably not going to take that. Probably going to get more from the Giants. We'll see what they pay, what the value is, and kind of see where it is. So understand that it's a unique year with the salary cap being down. Um, so a lot of the contracts are going to be backloaded to where, all right, you know, huge signing bonuses, and you prorate it over the life of the contract. You also have voidable years. What does that mean? Tom Brady signed a year. Yeah, hey, he signed this. It's voidable years, folks. He didn't sign. All he did was took a signing bonus, converted it, and they're using voidable years, which they will void. He's never going to see that. But for now, it can go over to us, can be spread out for the cap this year. They will void it after a certain time period, after like two years or four years, whatever the contract states. And then the, 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 the cap amount, the prorated part of the signing bonus comes due immediately. But when the cap is back to normal, they're going to be okay with that. Right now, they don't have that, that cap room to deal with. So those are important things to understand at this point. Um, I'm going to get to your questions for a second. It's way early, and I don't do this, but at this stage of the eight divisions, it looks like Tampa, Green Bay, and Kansas City in the NFC South, NFC North, um, and Kansas City seem like really strong um, teams in their division that are clear favorites and very unlikely to be supplanted. We never know. A lot of other divisions seem a little bit more wide open. Um, just uh, interesting to see that play out like it is. Um, let's get to some of your questions. Um, Tony says, uh, when teams are setting free agent draft boards, how do injured players returning f- injured players returning factor in decisions? Want to go about Grant Dell, but Grady Williams thing. Uh, well, it factors in tremendously, and this is part of what we do with medical grades. So players on your team, you have the most information on in free agency. There are two, there are two areas where you can get all the detailed information medically. One are the players on your team. They've been treated by your doctors and your trainers, so you know medically the prognosis. So that certainly factors in whether you want to re-sign them, keep them. You you factor in the contract relative to the health of the player on your team. You've got all that information. Players in the draft, you've got access to all their information as well, and you make a determination on your draft board, you give a medical grade, and that will affect and the way I did it. I never move guys down on the draft board because of medicals. I kept them where their football abilities put them and then i had a code on the card that would indicate a level of medical concern a certain little shield or button in the size of it the bigger the size the bigger the medical problem and we had the medical grade so in essence if a player was a two 
certainly a one, ones were rare. That's pretty clean medically, but anything a one or a two is pretty clean. It didn't affect me at all of taking them or not. If a guy was a two plus or a three, I would have a medical shield on them, but I'd keep them where they are. And because the reason is at some point you can mitigate the medical risk. Okay. So you got them as a 15th player overall on your board. You, you, there's a little medical risk, but on the fourth round, if he's still there, I mean, you, you want 15th best player on the board, third round, fourth round, you'd consider taking him there. Um, I think those things, you know, are important. You absolutely are a big part of it. Here's the difficulty in free agency. You are aware of a player's medical history to a point, but if a player is on another team in the NFL, you don't have access to those medical records with that team. You can gather information. He missed six games. It was reported. You have all that documented in your notes on the player. Okay. The, you have people in the organization that track that information. So we think it was an, a chronic ankle problem last year, this, that, and the other. Here's the difference is if a, if you're going to sign a guy as a free agent, part of what you do is you give them a physical before. And so he's had an ankle problem. He's had a knee problem. He said, you bring him in and you examine everything, but then you specifically want to get a medical grade from your doctors and trainers on how bad is this knee? And uh, it's not about, well, he's not going to be ready for, well, that's part of it, but what's his longevity issue with the knee or the elbow or the shoulder or whatever. So you have to gather that information before you sign them. And I think you need to know that some people do a deal, continue to pawn pass in the medical, and sometimes it doesn't play out. You will occasionally see that. A team will agree to a deal with a player. It's already been reported. Right? He's already going to be the new guy at such and such a team. Then the deal falls through because something happened medically. So there's in the, because it's been reported, because it's been agreed to, contract is contingent upon certain things. Certainly you do that in trades as well. It's a huge factor. But again, you grade them as their football abilities would put them. And then you factor in the medicals. I mean, the guy's a great player, but the guy is not healthy and you've got concerns about him medically. Well, it better affect what you do. It better affect whether you draft him. It better affect whether you sign him. It, it better affect whether you keep him or sign him to a long-term deal. Of course it does. Age factors in too. I, you never give a big contract. Like we talked about with Patrick Peterson. You never give a... Signing Patrick Peterson to a one-year, $10 million deal that can make up to $10 million makes all the sense in the world. Signing him and giving him a $25 million signing bonus and signing him to a three-year deal makes no sense. Same player. Why would you commit to that because of his age and because of some issues? It would affect greatly. So it not only affects whether you would bring him in, but what level of contract would you give them in and you i never give a contract big contract big money contract to anybody that's a you know um older than 26 with some exception certain positions but for the most part i wouldn't um you know really good points there um tony and for grant Delp, but greedy williams are two guys um that that absolutely you factor in 
their medicals and you factor in um, where it goes. Hey, Rich, uh, Rich, great talking with Rich the other day, uh, meeting up with him. Uh, speaking of draft boards, have you ever had a draft board that was out of place or disorganized before as far as putting grades on the board? No. No, you, you, there's never any excuse for that. I've never heard of anything like that. So when you get done a few days prior to the draft, you put your final grade on everybody and you have them in. Now, here's what has happened in the past. Based upon something that happens prior to the draft. Um, well, we saw it happen recently with Lyle Collins out of LSU. Nothing he did wrong, unfortunately and tragically, his ex-girlfriend passed away. I mean, literally was killed. I mean, like, I want to say 24, 48 hours before the draft that year. He had absolutely nothing to do with it, of course. Um, But because it was his ex-girlfriend, you know, the police wanted to speak with him. They're trying to figure out who killed him. And I... To be honest with you, I'm embarrassed to say I, I never knew what happened to that case of did they find the the guy or, or or girl I don't know whatever happened, but anyway, there was a a scare. I mean, people don't know the fact that it happened ex girlfriend and quote unquote he was never a suspect. The police made that clear, but there was okay. There was a little concern. It, it, he went undrafted. We're talking about a guy that had gone in the second round, high second round. Uh, tremendous impact. Things like that, and that's rare. But there have been things medically. A guy, I, I don't mean this to be cute, but one of the things we do, it's a tradition before I hand in the card, we get the guy on the phone. They're the area scout. Call, get John on the phone. Let's talk to him, make sure everything is good. I I don't want somebody to come down the stairs, answer the phone, break his neck, and I just drafted him. You know, back in the old days, before modern technology, and people were coming and going in the old, in the war, there were players that were drafted in, you know, it was the 30 rounds back in the day. People were drafted that were dead. They, they died in the war, but you you couldn't get information. We don't have that difficulty, but there have been situations. I've had a player that I had a, a first-round grade on, and oh, so let me back up. Something happens medically late would be really rare, but guy gets into a car accident, you know, a couple. I mean, it's tragic, but everybody remembers Len Bias been drafted by the Celtics and he died after he was drafted. Could you imagine something like that happen in, in a night before the draft party or something like that? Could, could you imagine? I mean, you certainly have to be aware of something that might happen. Ho- hopefully not that tragic, but what if somebody gets arrested the night before? What if something tragically happens? They get in an accident. You got to be aware of it. That's why you want to make sure that everybody's healthy up to the time you hand in that card. The other thing is you got to be aware of off-the-field issues. I had a guy once that was, um, he was picked up. 
This was when the draft was on Saturday. It was picked up on thir- uh, Thursday night, and it was a traffic stop. It was a red light or something, but we got he got flagged, and I had to make sure that I mean we didn't draft him, but you know, and we we didn't draft him. He was drafted before we picked. It wouldn't have affected whether we draft them or not. But the point was every player in the draft, anything that happens that gets flagged the night before, we, we will get notified from – we get the, the security check. That's why we do the security checks as the very last thing because if something happens last minute, we need to know about it. That's the only thing that – if the board's not out of whack. The board stays – we're just – we have new information. I, I can remember he wasn't going to be – I think he was going to be an undrafted free agent. But if you remember, we were in draft meetings – our final draft meetings when Brooke Beringer, if you remember him, he was the quarterback at Nebraska. He died in a plane crash. A, a, he was a pilot and he flight. And, and, you know, you have situations like that occasionally, tragically that happen. Um, I've had recruits that happened to, yeah. So that's the only thing you don't, you don't ever not have your draft board in order. I mean, you know, at that point who you are now, you will still have, I'm going to tell you, you decide how your board looks and how you got them ranked. It doesn't mean that everybody agrees with that in the room. And it doesn't mean that when you're in there, there's sometimes not some healthy arguments about, well, I still, I still think we got, you know, these guys, you still have that, but that needs to be handled going in. Um, that's that. Um, Jeff, and thank you, Rich, for that. And thank you, Tony, for your question. Jeff says, good morning, Chris. Good morning, Jeff. Where do you have Panay Sewell, Oregon? I think he's the best player in the draft. Panay Sewell is going to be uh, a very high pick. I think the kid from Northwestern is very good as well. I think Panay has the best left tackle feet. Um, I think he's going to uh, definitely go high, maybe top five. I don't think he's the best player in the draft. I think there's some – uh, but I think he's in certainly in that discussion. And I think most people would agree that he's the best tackle in the draft. It's really good. I think he's a guy. I don't think he's like a generationally, you know, can't miss, but really solid. I think he's a really solid pick. Whoever gets him is going to love him. I think he's a plug and play guy. And I think he's a guy that's worthy of going in the top five. Um, Rich Coates uh, says, thoughts on Deshaun Watson's losses against him. Doesn't sound like it's much there. And to be honest with you, I know what has been reported. I know nothing else. Um, I don't sense that it's anything that is, um, look, we've always got to be careful with details and information. There needs to be more substance to it. We'll see um, if there's anything to it. But my sense is that it's not. Um I want to get into final thing I want to talk to today, but before I do remind you that all the details uh, going on at um, in the NFL, in college football, keep up to date. Follow me at Landry football. Also um, check uh, on the latest as I'm checking kind of the news as we go. Um, and we will um, we'll check out uh, all the latest information. We'll have it for you at LandryFootball.com, all the breakdowns, everything that goes with it. So uh, check that out. Make sure that you take advantage of the scouting season offer. So as everyone knows, Drew Brees has officially announced his retirement. 
And I think everyone is aware of the great career, first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, great story, came out of Austin, Texas, Austin Westlake. Overlooked in a lot of the recruiting circles. The big boys didn't offer him. Went to the Big Ten in the land of ground and pound. And um, obviously went play for Joe Tiller in a pass-happy offense, and he was a huge, huge part of it. And making taking him kind of into a next level. What a what a great career he had in college. Very difficult to play against, to defend. Had a really good career. Was in a lot of ways a because it was overlooked. It 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 created a chip on his shoulder. It created a work ethic that was very much um, in line with what the Tom Brady's and the Peyton Manning's where I do think that if you put him on the guys that live the game, study the game that absorb themselves. I don't know that I've seen three guys in 40 years that worked harder than those three guys. And I will say technology's had a lot to do with that how you looked at film, what you had to be able to look at in the 60s and 70s is a lot different today. Today, the digitized film and the ability to to have a lot of things at your disposal is tremendous, a lot more than it was in those days. Those guys were the ultimate gym rats, Uh, and I put them on the Mount Rushmore of, of quarterback gym rats. Uh, and and I do think that it has a lot to do with the fact that um, they were in an era where you can do that. I mean, I think Johnny Unitas was a guy that worked hard, but they didn't. You had 16 millimeter film, and that's all you had. Um, so it's a different world. Unfair, but those certainly, <clears throat> excuse me, a fair indication of what Drew Brees was and is. But when he came out of Purdue. Um, you knew going in there what a great leader he was and how he led that team. He led that offense. Um, he was, he was big in that regard, but, but this story is maybe one you've not heard of that I think is unique. And it's really more about not Drew Brees, but the guy that drafted Drew Brees. So John Butler is a guy you may not No, we lost John several years ago to cancer. John Butler was the main guy. Bill Polian is in the Hall of Fame, and rightly so, mainly due to the work of John Butler. Certainly the work in Buffalo in the draft picks and um, the great talent that those Buffalo teams going to four straight Super Bowls that was mainly John Butler. Yeah, Bill Polian was the boss. John Butler was the keen eye for talent. Polian was more administrator, not what I would call a great evaluator. Um, I think that um, the success that Polian had coming up was more on the pro side and Mostly what they did was was develop and evaluate great players coming out of college. And John Butler was the biggest part of that. John Butler then got the job with the San Diego Chargers as a GM. 
and he ran several drafts before his, and he had AJ Smith who people remember AJ. AJ was also part of that Buffalo staff uh, as his assistant GM, but John Butler was the GM and he built a very good roster, a very, very good roster that um, ended up, you know, with a number of really good teams, but specifically as it relates to Drew Brees. So, John and I were really close, and we'd share things um, that maybe you, you know that would never leave the conversation. We were at um, – we were – I'm trying to remember. I think we were at um, Ohio State at a pro day workout, and we were driving somewhere. And so as it turned out, it was a, it was a drive to the pro days in the spring are a lot about get on a plane and go to this one or that, but sometimes they're aligned to where they're close enough where you can drive. And this was one of them. And so, uh, John and I were at pro day working out group of players at Ohio state and we're going to the next stop. And you see, I look, I'm going there too. You can get a ride with you. Cause he was, I'm not quite sure. He was sending one of his guys somewhere else. I said, sure. So we had a, I don't know, a two hour drive. And again, this is prior to the draft. It's pro day. It's like this time of year. I, you know, I would say, I, I, I will say this. I can remember as we're going, listen to the radio, I was flipping and we were catching some of the NCAA tournament basketball games on the radio. So it was kind of that mid March time. So it's ironic that it's about this time prior to that draft. If you remember in that draft, the apple of everybody's eye, the talk of that draft was not about Drew Brees. It was about Michael Vick and who's going to get Michael Vick and that Michael Vick out of Virginia tech. And he's going to revolutionize football and he's going to be this and that and the other. And the chargers had a chance to take him. They made a trade. Atlanta moved up actually and drafted Michael Vick. John Butler did not really believe in Michael Vick's sustainability in the league, but we were discussing and I can remember him asking me in that trip, um, because the Purdue workout had been, I don't know, a week or 10 days before I had been to when Drew Brees came out of Purdue. And he asked me, what, 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 so what's your, what do you think on Drew Brees? And I told him, liked Drew a lot, thought he'd be really good. You know, like most had some concerns about how is he going to overcome his height, which you can overcome. And I thought the explosiveness, his foot quickness and explosiveness was going to allow him to be successful in the next level. And I thought he'd be good. I, I didn't know about great, but I thought he'd be good. Well, he asked me, and I, I went into details, and I went over things and what I saw on tape. That's probably, a, I think, spoke 15 minutes on it. Don't have time for that. But in essence, I talked about what I liked about him, how much I liked him. Didn't have a lot of concerns. And you know, didn't give and say, you know, where he would be on our board or what our intentions were or anything like that. I never was the type to do that. He shared for me, he says, I think Drew Brees 
is going to be one of the best quarterbacks of the upcoming era. I think he is not good, but great, despite his height. Um, I think he's the best quarterback in this draft, and I think he's one of the five best players in that draft. If you remember, Drew Brees was taken at the top of the second round. When he moved down in the draft, when everybody was exalting the Michael Vick pick, and Michael Vick had a decent career, who did John Butler take? Ledeian Tomlinson, a great player. And he turned around who he had, and he thought Ledeian Tomlinson was going to be a better version of Thurman Thomas, who he had drafted in Buffalo. So, in essence, a tribute, my good friend, he saw greatness in Drew Brees where a lot of us saw really good, really good player, right situation, right drafting. Of course, he didn't get to live to see Drew Brees, unfortunately. And Drew Brees, as you know, didn't stay in San Diego, had the shoulder injury. A.J. Smith, who on his staff did not agree with how good Drew Brees was. He thought Drew Brees was pretty good. He didn't think he was great. John Butler in his room as the boss, he made that decision. But AJ thought Drew was good, but he obviously they went and they drafted Philip Rivers. And the rest, as they say, is history is Drew was unusually a free agent. And we know the story of how he got to New Orleans. Uh, he wanted to, Drew, Drew wanted to go to Miami with the Dolphins. Nick Saban, my friend there, they, at that time, you know, Drew, uh, Nick knew Drew because Drew Brees beat him twice at Michigan State, and he really liked him. And, of course, again, I did too and thought he'd be a good fit. I was doing some consulting for Nick when he got there with the Dolphins. And, of course, the medical doctors. Dr. James Andrews, who did the surgery on Drew Brees, says, don't sign him. He won't ever be the same again. Now, Dr. Andrews has is, is come out and said things differently. Don't believe it, because I was on the conference call when he said it. I don't think this guy's going to throw the football anytime soon and will never throw it like he did. That shoulder was really bad. Probably underestimated Drew's ability to rehab, but things got better for Drew, and but not enough to the Dolphins. Dolphins doctors and the the Dr. Andrews, who's an LSU grad, knew Nick. We all knew him when he said, don't fool with Drew Brees medically. Then they backed off on him, and the rest is history. He signs with New Orleans and with their great careers. But we know that part of it, and I think most of you know that story. But what you probably don't know is that the late John Butler said before that process, told me before that draft what he thought of Drew in what he was going to be. So rest in peace, my man. Uh, John was a mountain of a man. He was a big, big heavy set guy. I mean, he was 325, you know, the meals at the senior bowl and the combine were legendary with him, but he saw greatness in Drew Brees. And as Drew Brees retires at 42 and we have um, unfortunately said goodbye to John Butler way too soon. 
he was a guy that saw him in San Diego, that drafted in San Diego, thought he was a top five pick. He thought Ladeian Tomlinson was a top five pick. So he got with his first two picks, first round, second round, two of the top five players on his board. So it is a lesson of everybody's draft board looks different. And some people see players differently. And John Butler, if there's anybody that is a Hall of Fame evaluator, he was. And again, the reason why Bill Polian is in the Hall of Fame is for guys like John Butler and in, in Buffalo and in Carolina, it was Dominic Anili, another one of my guys, good friends that uh, hired me in Cleveland, worked together with in Cleveland. Uh, guys, those people, those names that you know nothing about, you hear nothing about, a shout out to them, some of them no longer with us, uh, that makes head coaches and general managers look great or look bad. It's the guys behind the scene. So as we say goodbye to Drew Brees' career, I give a, another uh, kudos to the late John Butler, who saw it, knew it, drafted him, and Certainly, he didn't get to see it, but from a really good view, I'm sure he was looking down and saying, AJ, how could you do that? Look at Drew Brees. Philip Rivers had a great career. Philip uh, Drew Brees was, Philip uh, Rivers was not Drew Brees. He was a great, great player. So, anyway, hope you enjoyed that. Appreciate you joining us. Join us again for another edition of the Landry Football Podcast next Thursday. And also be sure to check out all the latest draft information, free agent, free agency information over at LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of it. Talk to you next time, everybody. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.